Coming up, how we can tackle diversity and inclusivity using language. Thinking about diversity and opinions and voices we share in our content. And at what point does intersectionality mean we no longer have to worry about it? All this and more as I interview Joanne Boyce. This is Marketed Not Live, the show that dives deeper into the ideas, philosophies and strategies of the best marketing minds. Here's your host, Biz Paul. Welcome back to Marketed Not Live, the official podcast of the Marketed family of events that includes our live event in September 2021. And now available all on demand, Marketed Light, 10 sessions available for you to learn from the best marketing minds around and plenty of other things in the pipeline, which we haven't yet still come to fruition, but we're getting there, believe you me. I'm Biz Paul, your host, and together we're going to navigate the ever-changing world of marketing in an ever-changing world in which we live. It's all up in the air, but we're going to try and resolve some of the issues that are of the moment by talking to some really clever people. When you're listening to this episode, you might think, I know, I'll go and buy my ticket to Marketed Live right now. Well, I want that process, obviously, to be as simple as possible. And thanks to Captivate, our podcast host and partner, you can do that just by clicking the call to action within the player. Simple. There are loads of features that make Captivate the best damn podcast host around. I wouldn't go anywhere else. And that's not just because they're partnering with the event, although that does help. Go and have a look at Captivate.fm and talk to the people that are involved in that product. They'll convince you it's the product for you. Okay. You know by now that I have a thing a mission, if you want to call it that, or at least a project or, I don't know, a need to talk about diversity and inclusivity. And I know as well that there is a risk that me even mentioning those words is a bit of a turnoff for some people. I'm not going to get all breachy on this. Uh, Obviously, I think it is something that we need to talk about and talk about repeatedly. But I think it is useful to think about it in different ways as well. And my guest today, Joanne Boyce, uh, I came across her just after I was asking for uh, suggestions for how we can get people um, from diverse backgrounds to talk about marketing, not to necessarily talk about diversity and inclusivity, um, but just to talk about things. And what Joanne does a lot of is work with language. And so we ended up having a conversation about language and how language matters. And language in writing and voice and things like that is also an area that I'm really uh, keen to to explore. So um we didn't necessarily set out to have an episode on diversity and inclusivity. It was more about language, but I think there are some interesting concepts uh, and and issues raised in this interview that we're about to listen to. So um, without sort of getting into it, I just want you to have a listen to the interview and I'd love to know what you think about it. I think the way that we use language is potentially the difference between us winning business and not or losing customers or keeping them it is really important so have a listen to this and see what you think (laughs) 
Joanne Boyce is an inclusive marketing consultant and founder of The Social Detail. She's a fierce advocate for diversity and inclusion within marketing and tech. She's currently a data fellow with the Southwest Creative Technology Network. She researches how bias within data can be positively used to benefit marginalized groups. Social Detail has a passion for inclusion, as we all do, as you'll know from listening to this show. And as a team, they empower content creators to engage with diverse audiences. And now is definitely the time when we need to do this. One of the ways they do it is by providing a content diversity benchmark and also by upskilling marketing teams to embed inclusion into the company values and developing successful marketing strategies which represent current society, which is, of course, diverse. Along with her team, Joanne is on a mission to make inclusive marketing the industry standards as it absolutely should be. So I'd like to introduce Joanne to the podcast. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. It's really interesting uh, when you read that description of what it is that that you do. And one of the things that uh, we've spoken about before you and I, before we started recording, was just about some of the things that that you do. Could you give us a a bit of a flavor for some of the things that you're involved in? It's it's always a list that I go through, but essentially it all spaces around marketing and how to make it better in my eyes. Um, I'm a complete self-taught marketer. So there's a lot of things that I learned through working with a range of clients that I realized other people didn't have. Um, one of those things was like the depth and the layers within what some people call niche audiences. I just call them audiences of like disabled people, black people, LGBT community, and the layers of how to create content for them. So when I saw that other marketers didn't see the things the way I did, I began like teaching and helping companies with inclusive marketing. Essentially, the way we look at inclusive marketing in the agency is that your content should be representative of your target audience. So rather than looking at creating diverse content as, you know, chucking a black person or chucking a disabled person, it's more so, okay, your target audience is X and what are the percentages of people included that and how can you represent them continuously, not just in Black History Month, not just in Pride Month. Um, we also provide audits to kind of benchmark because I think inclusive marketing and any DNI aspect should be included in reporting like any other aspect of the business. Because once you measure it, you know when you're doing it. Mm. Um, and that's, that's, that's where the mission and the goal is. The overall goal, I always joke with um, the team, is that one day we won't be needed. But that's a whole other mm whole other great emission. I, I, I suspect that time is um, still a long way away. Uh, so, so, you know, kind of uh, could have worked for some time. Um, I'm, I'm quite interested in this, I, this idea then of making it part of a company culture um, and, and not an afterthought or not a box ticking exercise. What's your experience in terms of where we are now at the beginning of 2021 in terms of perhaps whether companies are actively thinking and doing things about this are, are you seeing more need for it or more demand for it from companies or are you having to sort of almost overly educate people or even make them aware of this is an issue still um i think off the back of 2020 and everything that happened there's a lot of companies that are aware, 
but they're still not sure of the action side of things. They still kind of see inclusive marketing and representation as a charitable act. So there's the aspect of people are in, they want it, they want to be aware, but they don't know what to ask for. And they also have no idea about budget. But the budget aspect, especially as a social media marketing agency, you always come up with that area. We're like, oh yeah, we want to do this for X. Well, actually that campaign will cost three times what you think it is. Mm. Um, So those are the two main things. And it's interesting with companies that are stepping out and getting called out about it. Because when you backtrack and look at some of those companies' values, inclusion and diversity are in their values, but they don't actually implement it until someone says, hey, that campaign you did was offensive. So it's always interesting to see where the two are not aligning in their marketing mm. and their values. And so would you would you say that post-2020, people are taking the initiative and going, right, we do need to do something a, a, a about this. And if they are, are people being, are people slipping up on some of the basic things? So you, you mentioned there about, uh, you know, including black people in a campaign, but then, you know, going on the website and finding there's there's no, no other mention of a black person ever or involvement in, in their business. I mean, are we still seeing that? Definitely. And it's, it's fascinating how much so where people are doing it publicly, doing it on social media, but their language around what they're putting out there is still like, yes, we, we hire diverse, come and join our team. And you go to their company page or you go to anywhere on their website or other marketing. And other than that one charitable post, I call it, there's no other representation. When they're talking about, you know, experts in their field and you can find experts of any background, there's no representation there. A lot of companies are still stuck on, we don't have the pipeline or we don't have the imagery or we don't have it in our team, but they will happily shout out Gary Vaynerchuk and not um, Boz, which is a mark, another marketing person. Um, but yeah, there's just that lack of, there's other areas you can do it in and it's not just that charitable aspect. That's, yeah, that, that, that's really interesting. And it's, it's, when you're talking about referring to, you know, who, 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 they refer, who they refer to, who they talk about in terms of who influences them, it, it sounds as though, from what you're saying, that there is, uh, again, another, uh, another difference between saying we do this and this is what we believe and almost subconsciously not seeking out the voices to, to, to listen to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the main things I say whenever I do my inclusive marketing basics chat is whatever sector you're in, there's an intersectional opposite to you. And by intersectional opposite, I mean whatever privileges you hold, and we all hold privileges, there's someone who holds the opposite to that. Personally, I see myself being a woman and being Black as a privilege because I know how to use it and capitalize on it, but it also mm-hmm. has negative impacts. But their intersection, like Gary Vaynerchuk would be my intersectional opposite but I don't really need to have to go find one of him. It's harder to find other versions of me. It's harder to find a disabled marketer who's from Latinx background that I can draw information from. But by making the effort to go and find those people and interact with them within my sector, which is a key thing people miss, then I'm learning. I'm just expanding my network and diversifying my network. A lot of the time people tend to just go and find the activists on any area it's like, yeah, I know a lot about, you know, animals in the North Pole. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the it's, it's, see this this seeking out thing has always quite intrigued me because uh, as an event organizer, I in terms of how we operate, in terms of fundamental principles, it is about seeking out the 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 different opinions and and the voices and to to bring that we sort of see that as our responsibility to bring that to our stage because uh, you know if we're talking about privileges we have the privilege of selecting who stands on there and speak and I've seen so many events which just have an all white lineup or an all male panel and all of these kind of things and. When I've challenged that, and you know, I'm not going into too much detail because we've talked about it on the show before, and people know my opinion, um, and are quite ready to criticise my opinion, it seems. <laughs> but um, we've you you can you can you can say, well, it's not about the colour of someone's skin or where they're from; it's about the quality of of the speakers. But actually, that's lazy. I think you you can go and find an alternative voice, like you say, an opposite number. Um, uh, what did you say? Intersectional opposite. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can go and find that if you, if you make the effort. So, um, so I, you know, I feel like I I understand that. And I think that's something that, that you can do. You can find different voices and of high quality as well. So it, it, but I have to say, if I'm talking to you, I, I hadn't ever thought of um, in terms of like, for example, what is a company putting out there and what are their reference points and what does that say about their um, inclusivity? Yeah, because with marketing and branding, it is the whole company that you're taking in, all the touch points you have with them. So that digital footprint and what people are saying about them affects everything affects all their perception affects how people use it and who is located so yes you can put out content but the image you have is also attracting people and i think Mm. this is where you also hear another argument against inclusive marketing i'm always surprised when i do hear them is oh the data is telling us x the data is reflecting what you're putting out in a digital footprint if your digital footprint is that you target all white men you don't create any content which is accessible to screen readers. You put things out that, you know, has offensive or outdated terms. It only takes one drop in a pond to make the whole pond not like you. Yeah. And that's that and it carries on. And with the internet and everything, especially social media, it's debated now with the whole, you know, Trump's tweets getting removed, but things are there forever. So it's being conscious of what is the messaging across who are you actively excluding and are you happy to be excluding them because if you're happy if you're not creating content for me i'm fine with it mm. don't just say don't say you tried be standing right, okay. standing yeah. it and say i didn't create content for you okay it's the it's the reaction when brands get called out and they're like oh no 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 but we did x y and z no you didn't so in, in your personal view then would you would you um, respect a company more for saying, "No, we didn't do that. We didn't create it. We didn't. We, we didn't create it for you, or we didn't. We didn't create um, messaging with the a, a diverse audience in mind." Yeah, I yeah. would because I would know where I would stand with them. I would know mm-hmm. who I want to support because it's not what's acceptable. But the way I see it is 
as companies and as brands and as marketers, we have power in the content we create. We can create things that connect. Like take, for example, some of the campaigns that have been done recently about the periods and the way that they're like, okay, let's let's move away from making this a fantasy and frolicking in fields and actually show the real life. And a campaign that I love and I use in a lot of my content is with Gillette, where they took the story of the first time someone shaved. The first time you shaved and you remember that memory and they applied it across an intersectional background, which led to them creating a video of a young trans man learning how to shave and being taught by his black father. And that still had the same narrative. And I think it's just, it just added another layer on it. But if Mm. companies aren't choosing to do that, stand in it, stand in what you're saying and stand in who you're targeting just be prepared is the is the is the when they get called out and the, oh no but we tried and we reached out but there isn't we couldn't find any influencers who are x y and z it's like did you no you didn't <laughs> don't think you tried that yeah yeah um it's it, it's interesting the the Gillette example I think because of the uh do I want to say backlash uh, yeah let's use this use backlash you know it came under some you know people commented I mean you know the keyboard warriors and and all the rest of it um a, a, about that and obviously it was it it was departing from the best a man can get you know mm-hmm. uh narrative which had been there before um where where brands deliberately try and move away from some of the historical stereotypes that maybe they've they've used and come under criticism do you have any advice for 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 those? I mean, we're seeing it now with the Cadbury's cream egg commercial, aren't we? I don't know if you've seen that. Um, there's an ad. Yeah, it, I think it was premiered yesterday on ITV. Uh, Fifty years of the cream egg, and it's kind of um, you know, it's kind of they used to sort of say, "How do you eat yours?" and all that kind of stuff, and they go through like different characteristics, and one is the sharer, and it's um, uh, a male couple. Uh, spinning around in circles and then they're sharing it with their mouth and it's obviously like like a kiss mm-hmm. um and obviously twitter's and the daily mail have exploded um about it uh but they've obviously taken a decision to 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 do that what what do you say to brands who take that decision to i mean is it is it brave is it not brave anymore what do you think so we're going through a phase of things and it's kind of like, let's look at any, for bringing it back to social media, any TikTok trend. You have the whole people who are doing it early on are seen as like, you know, oh my God, they can do that dance. How do they hit the beats? How do they learn to do that so quickly? Then the masses do it. And then everyone gets bored and finds something else. So yeah. inclusive marketing goes through that cycle in every instance, except the situation is that cycle takes a lot longer and it's it's brave-ish. It's brave-ish because it's not mass and it's currently being inclusive with your marketing is an opportunity to stand out and it's an opportunity to gain press, be that good or be that bad. People were talking about Cadbury's egg. Mm. Eventually, when more people adopt this, it will just become the norm. So I would say brands who are trying to take that stance, just prepare. What what does it look like when you're going to battle for something you believe in? Why did you create your company to do the thing that you want to do? And if that stance stands with your why and why you started it, like Cadbury's eggs, they started it because they wanted, well, I don't know the exact story, but I assume they wanted to, everyone to enjoy what they made. 
They wanted people to enjoy and share an egg. They wanted to share their history. They wanted to say that this chocolate egg means something to them and is connecting people across the world. If you continue mm-hmm. that and you're ready to go to bat and go to war over that message, whatever people say back to you about that campaign, you have your values to stand on. So that's, that's yeah. why I just say, be prepared. This is why I was linking back to the values. Be prepared with your values. And if you find it difficult to take a stance, you can connect. Like something that was nice that happened was, I believe it was um, some of the banks came together when somebody tweeted and said they wouldn't use this bank because oh it was the supermarkets oh yeah I think, wasn't it? it was the sainsbury supermarket with um the black family which do you know originally i didn't realize was just it was just one advert one commercial in a series mm-hmm. and when it all kicked off the hoo-ha of it i was like well firstly i mean what's the big deal anyway um but then i thought well even <laughs> i can't believe it's such a big deal when it's a, a, a part of a series of commercials where the story narrative is kind of the themes are the same mm-hmm. it's like okay yes we really are living in a racist country uh just in, in, incredible uh really but yeah you're right they they all came together didn't they and all put their ads on at the same in the same commercial break or something and they the i don't know if it was like if there's a back channel of social media managers and supermarkets but they were supporting each other on on socials as well where they were like if you're not going to shop at Sainsbury's, you can't shop here either. So, yeah. <laughs> and it's the thing at the end of the day, the other part about it is the internet is fleeting at times. And a lot of the times look when people were burning Nike because of their support of Colin Kaepernick, mm. there's probably still wearing it. To be honest, my number one rule about things, especially on the internet and no offense to internet users, I am one. Well, <laughs> it's, it's, there's too much things to consume and too much time to be stressing about all these things. So a lot of the time, the keyboard warriors, especially when they're not their profiles, when you're putting out a positive message with trolls, it's an opportunity to show personality in your brand as well. I see it as a way to get creative with copy because whatever you respond to that person is not really going to look bad on you as a <laughs> manager. You, you can You can get super, you can get, innocent smoothie creative mm-hmm. with your copy when it comes to trolls on campaigns that you're passionate <laughs> about good example to use they are they are awesome um let, let's talk a little bit about language then language is important what you you know words matter we've we've seen that in the last week uh, as we record this in terms of someone what they say and the consequences in terms of the actions that are taken um you know it it, it matters when someone is writing or composing that that post as a as a business, maybe in response to a to a comment about a campaign that they've they've run, what what are, what are the key things that you would advise companies to to consider or to think about when they're composing it before they hit post? I would say so. There's kind of two key things I always recommend: is if you're going to use a word that you're unsure of. Black people, women, women X, LGBTQIA plus or LGBT. Two quick things. Type it into Twitter and get a gist of what people are saying about it and who the people are, how they're using it. That gives you some context. Um, And then also think about SEO. If that word in its context was applied to you, would you type it in? Would you type in 
straight white man looking for X. Oh, that sounds wrong. But (laughs) I am never going to type in BAME, which for anyone who's not in the UK means Black and Asian ethnic minority, which is a government term that got popularized. But to me, as a marketer, that's just bad SEO. Because a lot of the times when people are using it, they were expecting people to find it and apply to their thing or be attracted by this or even know what it meant. Sometimes with acronyms, you're supposed to explain it before you use it. That is right. mm. English rule there. <laughs> um, but a lot of the times in the terms of using BAME, they would just chuck it on there like, yep, that's it, covered, done. Yeah. So type it into Twitter. Not always the best, but it should give you an idea of is it positive or is it a negative connotation? Um, an example of myself, I typed in differently abled because I read one article that said this is the terminology and I read another article against it. And then I realized that it's it, for some people, by referring to them as differently abled, you're removing their disability, which is part of their identity. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, I get it. Okay, yeah, cool. you're trying to do the right thing, maybe, or you, you int- not the right thing, but you, your intentions were genuine, but actually, upon investigation, you realise something else or you come to a different conclusion. Mm-hmm. And it sometimes it, it takes that one millisecond. The other thing I would recommend would be your intent is not always the impact that you're looking to give. So... Yes, you may be responding and well-meaning and feel positive, but if the impact you receive is negative, that telling people what your intent was doesn't really change anything. You now need to look at the situation as the impact it's caused and address the impact. Because mm-hmm. what a lot of brands tend to do is say, our intent is da 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 when actually if you look at the negative impact you cause, start with sorry. Yeah. If, yeah. If, why is that so hard? I, I, uh, people get defensive when it talks about mm. anything that isn't an identity they can relate with. But right. to me, if if I throw a ball at someone and it hits them in the face and they don't catch it, I say sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Same. Same. Same with words of language. When someone doesn't understand your intent or the words you use did not translate, start with sorry and then go from there. Mm. Go from how you can learn and educate. So those are the two things. Do a quick Twitter search and get some context around the, the words you're using. And when responding to things, look at the impact versus your intent. Good little soundbite there. I've just got impact versus intent. Nice one. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I want to ask you just a bit about uh, different groupings and uh, it, from what you see and from the work that you do, uh, are there any uh, groups of people, and I'm sort of reluctant to say groups of people because it kind of suggests this other, which I don't think is right, but um, are there any sort of uh, groups of people, just use it just for argument's sake, uh, that that are not as visible as as they should be where you see that this this is a real problem either now or this is, this is around the corner? Hmm. So for me, almost everyone, but I go by the, this is going to be a loose interpretation for anyone who actually read the paper on intersectionality, um, where the most marginalized of us, if they're visible, then we all benefit. Mm -hmm. 
So I have yet to see a campaign that highlights a visually disabled Black LGBT trans woman. So for me, when I see that campaign and I see it frequently, I'd be like, okay, we're making strides. Mm -hmm. Because the layers in there means that to me that there was effort and thought put in and also people are starting to look at this as you know this is just more rich content and stories that we can tell rather than the situation right now where it's it's very checkboxy it's very let's put out a woman campaign let's put out this campaign let's put out that campaign um i would love to see a campaign that's something about like really dry like chips and she's just there you know making chips and then they go on to the next bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, that, that would bring me Do joy. you wonder, though, whether... I mean, it, I just wonder whether we're anywhere near there, and, 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 and arguably we're not, I think, because if you were to do that now, don't you think that someone would go, oh, well, that's just box checking? Yeah. Um, the, the key for it mm. is consistency. So this is where a lot of general social media marketing rules cross over, it's the consistency for me. It's the doing it and letting it be part of your ongoing storyline. So take the Sainsbury's campaign, for example. They had individual stories and individual plots. Um, another version of that could have been various families tell their gravy stories. Yeah. Or there's, there's different layers and they could have included people. Another aspect that I think sometimes gets missed is the interactions between people just going about their day and doing things. A lot of the times campaigns right now are very um, packed with that, with marketers trying to tick all the boxes rather than sticking to the story. So it can come across box ticky. I think consistency is the key to moving away from that tokenism because you learn when you have a campaign and you see so the Sainsbury's campaign with the gravy, they did that campaign. They saw the situation. Their next campaign, they might do a couple of different families, a little bit more, might push one storyline, might do a young boy. But in all those different instances, they're naturally integrating inclusion rather than doing it. Okay, Black family tick, Asian family tick, disabled person tick. It's like, oh, let's just... Let's just go about it. The one that was really well. Oh my goodness. I think it was Marks and Spencer's. There was a campaign with a little boy who got his balloon stuck. Mm, rings a bell. Give a little love. Oh, um, um, John Lewis, I think it was. John Lewis. That campaign was the closest thing for me that yeah. was getting there because they integrated it Like in that campaign, there was an Asian boy, a black family, older generations, young women, a um, visually represented Muslim woman and someone Mm -hmm. with glasses, which I've seen debates on the disability aspect. But there was so many layers in there. But I was just the song and the story just took me. I had to watch it again. I was like, oh, snap. One, two, three, four. Like that's the bit where it's like, oh, I just enjoyed it. I didn't feel the the overtness right. of yeah. inclusion in that's that. that's really interesting i think i think uh the the idea of like you say whether something feels 
like an over attempt or whether it feels a natural part of the the story if the if the story is the main thing that that takes you through that then then that feels right it feels natural um another example would be nike and fenty nike and fenty beauty have put out campaigns which are multi intersectional and diversity but you don't see the backlash mm. That's just been yeah. their standard. There's been one or two times where people have called Rihanna out who runs, who owns Fenty Beauty and her immediate response is, I am sorry, I was unaware, I will right. do better. Uh-huh. And that was her representation of plus size individuals and her use of a um, offensive song in one of her shows. Right. And for those two to be the things that she, and of all the campaigns they've put out, those are what she's called out on. It's because people, when, when you, when you start with it and you continue with it and you're consistent, the expectation is not, oh my gosh, this is shocking. You're just doing it for tokenism. It's like, oh, that's yeah. a Fenty ad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. It's, it's always interesting to talk about this, I think, because that, like you said, this, this idea of, of intersectional um, I, I, ideas is, going much much deeper and something for people to to think about but i really like the idea of you know making the the story narrative the the main the main part so i wonder just as we wrap up um this conversation uh, if if you were talking to a uh small medium size business that maybe has uh someone in their marketing team who is feeling nervous about where to take some of this stuff do you do you have any resources that you could direct people uh, towards whether that's your own resources your own website or um or or otherwise i was going to be super cheeky and be like well you can contact me sure go for it <laughs> um because yeah we do provide in-house inclusive marketing training um we're working on the resources we're actually even building a tool little sneak peek there um to help marketers with this because there's a lot of data I've collected over my research and looking into bias, looking into machine learning. However, I want to make it useful and practical for marketers because there's no point me giving you um, an inclusive language guide if your target audience is solely people of masculine origin. You've got that language down. What you need is imagery. What you need is representation on that side or you need access to a certain group of influencers. So we're working on segmenting the um, resources that we have. But outside of that, you can contact myself for a workshop. I also have connections. If I can't help you and you're in a super niche market, I know other marketers that also do the same thing in terms of inclusive marketing and access. Fantastic. Okay, well, we will put any links um, in the show notes so that people can go directly and and visit that and, and get in touch with uh, get in touch with you um uh, in terms of like your social channels yourself if people want to have a conversation um what are your social handles so you can contact myself directly at joanne boyce <laughs> we'll do it joanne boyce on all socials and you can see the resources and content we're putting out at the social detail on all platforms Wonderful. except for t- wonderful thank you ever so much for for taking the time to to talk to me today uh i I think it's 
Uh, some brilliant ideas that, that you've spoken about. And I always feel when I have these conversations that there's something that I can learn as well. And I really feel like I've done that today. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Isn't everyone's story about how they got into marketing interesting? Um, I'm quite interested to know what your story is, actually. I know this is kind of going off topic slightly from the conversation, but it was the way that Joanne said, you know, she's not a trained marketer. You know, so are you what you would call classically trained or are you self-taught? Because there is so many different and valid ways to get here. And I think sometimes the sort of traditional marketing routes don't always talk about some of the things that we've mentioned today in their syllabus either. So, you know, that's that's quite interesting what people can bring to the table. Anyway, thanks to Joanne for giving us cause for further thinking on this topic. I really love the intersectional idea. Uh, she's right. You know, there's a long way to go, but it's such a complex topic, a complex story. It's easy to either beat yourself up about not doing enough or getting it wrong or frankly, just not giving a shit. And I hope that it's the former. Uh, my key takeaway from it is to really live it, um, to take the action, to be thoughtful, but importantly, to continue to go deeper into this topic and learn. This topic is not going away and I think we need to keep working at it. What do you think? How are you tackling this subject? I would love to know your views. Why don't you tweet us at Marketed Live or email me, hey, at marketed.live. Don't forget to check out details of all the events, all the activities, all the things that we're planning to do online at marketed.live. And if you fancy it, please tell your mates about what we're up to. I hope to see you in the next episode. Until then, thanks for listening. Our producer is Charlie Thacker. This is a Light Mind Media production for Marketed Live. You've been listening to the Marketed Not Live podcast. Want to go even deeper? Then book your ticket to one of our events where you'll learn more about specific ideas, strategies and practical ways to improve the results you get from your marketing activity. Visit marketed.live for what's on and how to book.